You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. The I word. No, we're not talking about infrastructure. We're talking about impeachment. President Trump briefly addressing reporters earlier today at the White House says no deal on infrastructure, Speaker Pelosi, unless you stop the investigations. It was a dramatic day filled of political theater here in Washington from the White House to Capitol Hill. We have it all covered. Meanwhile, another busy day for Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin. He testified before the House Financial Services Committee, trade, tariffs, USMCA, US China, you name it, he had to deal with it. Plus, will House Financial Services Committee Chairwoman Maxine Waters get President Trump's tax returns, not if Treasury Secretary Mnuchin has anything to do with it. We're going to break down all of the politics, all of the policy, and yes, all of the I-word with an all-star panel. Joining us coming up in the show via telephone, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. She's a Democrat from Texas and a Judiciary Committee member, the Eye of the Storm of all of the investigations, and his first time on the program, Douglas Holtz-Eakin. He is the former CBO director and now the president of the American Action Forum. We're thrilled to have him here. As we are with the front of the show, Adam Hodge, former DNC communications director and a former Obama-era Treasury Department official. The drama today unfolding all throughout Washington, and it was truly dramatic to watch just the back and forth that unfolded at the White House. President Trump saying that so long as there are investigations in and and Democrats are saying that they are pursuing impeachment or even talking about impeachment, he will not deal with them on issues like 
infrastructure. Joining us here in studio, Adam Hodge. He is former DNC communications director. He worked at the Obama Treasury Department. Now he is a senior vice president at SKD Knickerbocker. And his first time on the program, Douglas Holtz-Eakin. He's the former CBO director and now president of the American Action Forum, a conservative economic think tank here in town. Doug, well, no deal because of talk of the <laughs> I word, as the president put it. Yeah, uh, I guess I'm now officially old and jaded. Um, I didn't find any of this particularly surprising. I mean, if you've watched the president in action, he had a little bit of a loss in the courts. So he's in this showdown with the Democrats. And what does he do anytime he thinks he's a little bit weaker than he should be? He escalates. And so he set out to just escalate deliberately. He's done it with the Chinese. He's now done it uh, a couple of times with Congress. And he did it in exactly the context that you would expect because he'd like to get USMCA and he sort of doesn't really need it. He, the Democrats would like to get infrastructure and they need him to get it. And so this was a disposable day. I mean, so he just blew it up. Adam, I was struck by this because last night President Trump indicating that it was because of USMCA was the reason and ratification of USMCA or NAFTA 2.0 was the reason that he wouldn't be able to deal with Democrats. Then we get wind that it was because of impeachment chatter. And in fact, get this, we're going to talk more about Treasury Secretary Mnuchin coming up on the show. But I was outside of the House Financial Services Committee hearing room where Secretary Mnuchin was testifying before Chairwoman Maxine Waters' committee. She had to step out of the hearing for this Democratic caucus meeting. I'm thinking to myself, why is Chairwoman Waters stepping out of the hearing room? Why? Because they had this caucus meeting talking about impeachment. Then Chuck and Nancy, as the president refers to them, roll up to the White House for seven minutes, as my colleague Jennifer Jacobs reports on the Bloomberg Terminal. And, well, I'll just let President Trump say how it went down from his perspective. Here's the president speaking in the Rose Garden earlier today. I told Senator Schumer, Speaker Pelosi, I want to do infrastructure. I want to do it more than you want to do it. I'd be really good at that. That's what I do. But you know what? You can't do it under these circumstances. The circumstances, Adam, being the I word. Well, and I think what uh, you heard from Nancy Pelosi and, and Chuck Schumer today uh, when they got back to the Capitol was that they just felt from it was clear that this was a setup for them uh, from from the you know the administration. The fact that they had signs printed and ready to go in the, in the Rose Garden. You brought up sort the of t- tells you everything that they sort of you know, how the the day was going to go. I think the president felt some heat, and we heard this in the last twenty four hours uh, when he was pressed for details on actually how he would pay for the infrastructure bill. Uh, he, he sort of waved around and then changed the, the topic because uh, that's a sticky issue uh, for the White House and for the administration. I think you know what Nancy Pelosi and, and Chuck Schumer and the Democrats have said, and they're trying to show we're willing to cooperate, we're willing to find areas uh, where they can work with the president that helps give some so, so cover to some of the sort of red state Democrats uh, who want to be able to show that they're willing to, to cooperate and find areas of cooperation. Um, days like today make it a lot harder for them uh, to sort of come back and, and, and really negotiate with the president in, in good faith. And, and I think the president also very deliberately made Nancy Pelosi's life much more difficult. I mean, that was... When she came out and said he's involved in the cover-up, he thought, okay, that's a response to the, the pressures in her caucus. 
I'll go right after her and see who she's going to pick. You and, are. And that's exactly how he behaves. Douglas Holtz Eakin, former CBO director and now president of the American Action Forum, a conservative economic think tank here inside of the Beltway. He's referring to Speaker Pelosi's playing political referee of sorts between progressives in her party about whether to pursue impeachment. And Adam, you mentioned the sign. The sign. It kind of was a giveaway, folks. I mean, if you're going to act like it's a surprise, maybe not have a sign. <laughs> I'm sorry, not to be funny, but if the sign that we're talking about is the president speaks in the Rose Garden behind the presidential podium with the presidential seal, and there's this, like, beautifully C-SPAN ready sign that says Mueller investigation by the numbers, $35 million spent, 2,800 plus subpoenas, 675 days, 500 plus witnesses, 18 angry Democrats, no collusion, no obstruction. I mean, it is remarkable, but I do want to just quickly play what Speaker Pelosi said, and then I'll get your guys' take, because Speaker Pelosi commented on this when she got back to the Capitol, like literally moments after the president spoke. Here's Speaker Pelosi. He just took a pass, and it just makes me wonder why, why he did that. In any event, I pray for the president of the United States, and I pray for the United States of America. Prayers, Adam. I mean, we're, we're all praying every day that we wake up, uh, you know, as far as, as, as we go in, in the— uh, You don't think it's side. a little, like— it's, 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 it's like a little theater. On both sides, sure. it's a little theatrical. Of, of course. You've got printed props, prayers. Come on. I mean, the one thing that I, I think, obviously, was that it was not lost in Democrats. The key numbers are missing from the sign over the 35 people who were indicted as part of the Mueller investigation and the fact that Paul Manafort, uh, the assets seized, equaled $35 million. So, you know, the, the numbers don't quite add up there. I think the one thing that shouldn't be lost in folks, though, is that when Nancy Pelosi was first elected speaker in in uh, 2006, there was a lot of Democrats clamoring for impeachment about for George Bush then around the Iraq war. She was able to walk a fine line of calling for a real oversight, real investigation into the administration, while also passing a minimum wage and doing other legislation. I think that's what you tried to see them do that, that dance today. Smart. And I think, you know, coming out of the caucus meeting, there was a lot of fear about impeachment. Uh, coming out, you saw a lot of Democrats actually, some of the air was let out of that impeachment balloon. I think there's a little bit more time uh, for that to run out. Smart. Coming up, we're going to talk much more policy now that the political theatrics have uh, somewhat been uh, reverberating here inside of the Beltway. Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin, busy day on Capitol Hill. Panel stays. Doug holtz and Adam Hodge. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or get the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. I'm for impeachment. I've always been for impeachment. I've never backed up. I've never changed my mind. I think he should be impeached. Yeah. She thinks he should be impeached. The I word. The I word. As President Trump describes it at the White House in the Rose Garden earlier today, that's House Financial Services Committee Chairwoman Maxine Waters doubling down outside of a very, very busy day in the House Financial Services Committee hearing room in Rayburn's House office building. I was there. I was there as all the drama unfolded. I was standing out in the hallway 
We're getting ready to go live for Bloomberg Television. And all of a sudden, like Secretary Mnuchin of the Treasury Department, he's testifying inside of the hearing room. And I look over my shoulder and I'm thinking, Chairwoman Waters, what is she doing walking out of this hearing? And she had to go to a Democratic caucus meeting where Speaker Pelosi convenes it to talk about impeachment chatter just like an hour or so before Speaker Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer head to the White House for what was supposed to be a bipartisan meeting on infrastructure. It lasted seven minutes, seven minutes in the White House. President Trump storms out and talk of infrastructure is done. The president says he doesn't want to do it because, well, he doesn't like the investigations. He doesn't like the impeachment. Meanwhile... They're talking trade policy, and that's where I want to take this conversation now because enough of the political theater. Doug Holtz-Eakin is in the house. He is the president of the American Action Forum uh, and the former CBO director. Uh, and Adam Hodge, former DNC communications director, now an SVP at SKD Knickerbocker and previously served in the Obama Treasury Department. So let's wonk out, folks. Adam, I'll start with you. How do you think – the Treasury Secretary handled the pressure and the pushback from Republicans regarding these tariffs. I think what you've seen is uh, they're the, the Republican members in their own districts are actually hearing uh, from their own constituents. Um, and it's, it's not lost on, on me, and I'm certainly not lost on a lot of Republicans who've got to feel uncomfortable about this $15 billion bailout uh, for, for, for farmers. Um, you know, I, I'm old enough to remember uh, where a lot of Republicans sort of uh, were had this huge opposition to government investment and government um, banking and, 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 and bailing out, um, you know, people around the country, this is a clear $15, $15 billion bailout for farmers as a direct result of Trump's um, tariffs and, and, and his uh, all of the trade policies with China. I'm so glad you brought that up because that was one of the key moments, Doug, that I picked up on during the hearing was Congressman David Kustoff. He is a Republican representing rural Tennessee. His farmers are his constituents. And he asked, he used the opportunity in the hearing to ask Secretary Mnuchin about what he should tell his farmers, his constituents, who are Trump supporters, as the congressman, the Republican congressman, uh, Kustoff uh, said when he asked this question, I want to play for you Secretary Mnuchin's response, Doug. Take a listen. If we can get a good deal, it will also be very good for the farmers. I think, you know, as unfortunately we were on track for that and we've gone backwards. Uh, the president and Secretary Purdue are looking at various different programs to make sure as we take in tariffs, we can use some of that money to support the farmers. So I can assure you the president is very focused on this. That's an interesting nuanced point that the Treasury Secretary Doug uh, made, which is if, if, if we get money from the tariffs, it'll go to the farmers. Is that a good argument? Uh, it's, uh, it's cover. It's not a great argument. Um, the president's got a problem in that he keeps saying that tariffs are good for the economy. That's why we grew so fast in the first quarter. But they visibly have to bail out the farmers, which means it can't be that good. And since you're paying those tariffs and I'm paying the tariffs, what they're really saying is, Doug, we'd like you to write a check to the farmers. Is that a problem? And I think that's not going to last very long. And meanwhile, Adam, while all of this is going on, China has threatened to 
retaliate on June 1st with $60 billion, I believe, worth of tariffs of their own that are specifically targeting the farmers. After the hearing, I asked the Treasury Secretary, I said, Mr. Secretary, I mean, is there any end in sight in terms of China retaliation? And what's the message to farmers, to the business community? And he said, you know, if China wants to have more tariffs, you know, we're going to pressure back harder. So the Treasury Department, President Trump, they're not backing down on this, and they clearly feel that they have the upper hand. No, and I think what um, the the problem for the for the is that markets clearly have have taken a really you know dim view of the trade war as a whole and the push around tariffs. I think what Secretary Mnuchin is trying to to navigate is just a really tough um, you know uh, needle um, that. Tariffs are proven to be really unpopular in a lot of the battleground states. There's a, a poll this week that found that Trump is underwater in key states like Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin um, because of this economic policy. The administration wants the Chinese to publicly, visibly retreat from the central plank of their economic platform, the 2025 plan. Mm. There is no way on God's green earth the Chinese are going to do that. That would be... Uh, the end of President Xi's regime. So the only thing that the administration has to try to push toward a big deal is ever higher tariffs. So they will inflict more and more pain on the U.S. economy in what I view as a vain pursuit of a big deal with the Chinese. They're in a bad place. I mean, they have ridden into a box canyon and now they got to get out. I think, the, and look, we shouldn't be lost. That there are some important objectives to try to get China to be a fairer, you know, partner. Right? There, there's stuff on tech transfers uh, that is a, a, a big objective of multiple administrations, including the one I served in. Um, the problem, I think, for a lot of people is that tariffs don't seem to be a particularly effective way at getting China to move uh, on on those issues. They clearly feel like they have room to stomach a lot of these tariffs, and I just don't see how that actually meets and gets to the, what the objective of the White House. Amen and amen. I mean, no one thinks China is is, is a, a good player in the international stage that needs to change. This strategy doesn't seem to be working, though, but they are sticking with it to some great detriment. And Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin says he told us reporters outside of the hearing room on his way into the hearing, actually, that he has no plans as of now to go back to Beijing. Meanwhile, President Trump and President Xi are still scheduled to come face to face, Doug, in Osaka, Japan at the G20. So you've been in a million different business meetings where, you know, everybody at the staff level agreed and then they kicked it up to management. Management said no. Well, what are you supposed to do then to put the deal back together? Who they has said the upper no. Hand? Who has the upper hand? China uh, or the U.S.? I, I think China has the capacity to wait longer than does any U.S. president. It's not personal. And so that, that's a real problem. Again, I think – Who do you think has uh, the upper hand? I think that – China does have the upper hand because they also can see the same poll numbers that, 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 that we see. And again, this, the, the poll from Quinnipiac that was released yesterday, 41% of Americans in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, and Iowa approve of the president's handling of trade. 39% approve of his handling of, of China specifically. That is a real problem for President Trump. Uh, despite a strong economy on a national level, if voters in those key states really feel like his policy is misguided, he's going to pay a, pe- a you know, penalty. And I do want to know, I mean, and Adam, you touched on this, but I mean, there are several issues in terms of what's being negotiated. Look no further than Huawei that are that there is bipartisan agreement on yeah. when it comes to national security. I mean, Republicans and Democrats are very much aligned in terms of the spying threats that Huawei proposes to the U.S. You guys both mentioned the stock markets and their reaction to all of this. Uh, just 
even to dig deeper than Adam, Adam and, and coupling this with the polling that has come out, but the stock market, the traders up on the street, they are not they're not too happy. U.S. stocks fell Wednesday as trade tensions simmered, with the White House saying to be prepared to blacklist more Chinese tel- technology companies. So the S&P 500 index falling for the third session in four, and tech shares are now under pressure amid the latest developments in the trade war with China. That, of course, according to my colleagues reporting on the Bloomberg terminal. Uh, coming up, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, Democrat from Texas, Judiciary Committee member. She's going to check in with us on the I-word, impeachment. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Treasury Secretary Mnuchin was in the hot seat today. Doug Holtzikin knows a thing or two about testifying before Congress. It's a marathon not a sprint. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. I just saw that Nancy Pelosi, just before our meeting, made a statement that we believe that the president of the United States is engaged in a cover-up. Well, it turns out I'm the most, and I think most of you would agree to this, I'm the most transparent president probably in the history of this country. That was President Trump speaking earlier today in the Rose Garden briefly at a press conference uh, where he essentially said no deal. No deal so long as Democrats are investigating him and talking about impeachment. Here with me in studio, two political policy all-stars, Douglas Holtzik and former CBO director, American Action Forum president now, and Adam Hodge, former DNC comms director. Now he's an SVP at SKD Knickerbocker. He's also worked at the Obama Treasury Department. We were talking earlier, gentlemen, about U.S.-China trade policy and the policy of all of this. It came up as a hot topic, really the topic du jour, with the exception of the tax returns. We'll talk about that coming up. But at the Treasury Secretary's hearing on Capitol Hill today before the House Financial Services Committee, and we were talking about the divide and who has the upper hand and how it's playing politically. But I'm fascinated by how Silicon Valley is being impacted by this, especially given that the Chinese are responding, Adam, uh, targeting where they feel the U.S. is sensitive. Politically, they targeted agriculture with $60 billion worth of tariffs that are designed to hurt President Trump's base and farmers, and the administration says they're going to defend them. But now there's 
techs, techs are worried because of Huawei and ZTE. Yeah, and you, and you saw um, you know, on the street today, tech stocks were just buried because they were really worried about, uh, I think, a couple of things. One, um, whether China's going to restrict access to key uh, ingredients and metals that they need to make the parts um, and make the, the chips that fuel every device that we have uh, in, in our house and in, in our uh, pockets. Um, I think the, the broader issue is sort of what this means uh, for China going forward. And I think, again, the, the tech transfer policy uh, issue is another major concern for a lot of these firms who know that they need to find a way to operate in China to meet the sort of margins and benchmarks uh, set for their, their, their growth. Uh, it's a real problem for them in, in, in the short term and the long term. And they're turning into the same thing in the short term and the long term because the president is quite content to have the tariffs in place. That seems pretty clear. He, he I believe, thinks they're a good thing regardless. They might also help get this deal. And he always tells Apple and anyone else who wants to listen, they should just move their stuff back to the U.S. and, and make it here. And that, I think, is how he's held out the allure of these tariffs being a great thing for America, to, to rebuild it. And so the problem with that is it's now become quite clear that they're happy to move to Cambodia or Vietnam or Mexico or any of an, a long list of places. So we won't benefit from that. Those companies incur the cost of relocation. That's bad news. So you're seeing them panic completely. And then you just have to go back and explain to the American people, why are we doing this and, and facing these higher prices? What are we getting exactly? And, and they're, they're really in a tough place right now. And the, the Secretary of Treasury faced you know, the full heat of that uh, at that hearing today. All right. Doug Holtzikin, I've interviewed you for years. Of course, you are the uh, former chief economic policy advisor to the presidential campaign of the late Senator John McCain. You're also a Pittsburgh, suburban Pittsburgh native. Uh, and one of the things that I think you do so well is you can go incredibly into the weeds and then pull out. And re- let's forget about politics for a second. Let's forget the occupant of the White House because this is a battle for the tech future of the world. Mm-hmm. This is Huawei versus Apple. This is ZTE versus some of the crown jewels of American technology. This is a chess game of technological proportions that will play out for decades and decades to come, no? Uh, It's very important. Uh, A little appreciated part of the reality out there is getting there first means you set the standard. And, you know, are we going to have a U.S. standard for what 5G looks like? Are we going to have a Huawei standard? And that's really what this is about. And Huawei means a China standard. China standard, no question. Um, That's a leg up in, in every next step. So the administration is pretty clearly, you know, engaged in this battle, wants to make sure there's a U.S. standard. But again, I think the missing piece of this strategy is Europeans, others who would, we would want to be on that standard aligning with the United States. This administration has not recruited them as allies and, and has actually distanced them at, at some unfortunate moments. And so they can do what they can to slow down the Chinese standard setting. But they can't fully win without getting a little more help. And that's what I find so fascinating. Coming up, we're going to talk more politics and policy. But that's what I find so fascinating was Emmanuel Macron, the French president, really not siding with Democrats in this country. I mean, I interviewed Senator Mark Warner and Senator Chris Coons, Democrats from Virginia and Delaware, respectively. They are some of the top Democrats in the Senate relating to foreign relations and intelligence matters. And they are in lockstep with this administration in terms of the national security threats that Chinese telecommunications firms Huawei poses to the U.S. Emmanuel Macron in France, they're not. 
Coming up, we dive much more into politics and policy. Sheila Jackson-Lee, she's on the House floor speaking, so she's unable to call in. But the second she steps off, I'm told she's going to call in Congresswoman Sheila Jackson-Lee. If not, we're going to talk 2020 chatter. Doug Holtz-Eakins here, Adam Hodges here, and I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Bloomberg Radio. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes, Bloomberg.com, or the Bloomberg Business app. Check us out on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. The I-Word, we are talking about the I-Word, infrastructure or impeachment. President Trump says no deal with Democrats so long as impeachment is on the table. Joining us just off of the House floor where she was just addressing the House of Representatives is a member of the Judiciary Committee, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, a Democrat from Texas. Congresswoman, I appreciate your time. What is your response tonight to President Trump saying no deal with Democrats given the I-word chatter? Well, you know, we work for the American people. We uh, uphold the Constitution. Uh, we are custodians of the rule of law. We say to the American people that no one is above the law. Uh, we understand uh, the emotions of the White House. Uh, but as I have indicated in my previous uh, interviews and conversations, I have no desire to target anyone. This is not a target uh, effort or a targeted effort. It really is the responsibility of Congress and the right of Americans uh, to receive the information and the truth. Uh, that is why I've introduced uh, the resolution of investigations, uh, which I believe is the best vehicle to be able to work with both sides of the aisles, frankly, uh, because who is going to reject getting all of the information that is necessary, a tool that has been sanctioned by House rules? I'm disappointed, of course, in the president's response, because I do believe uh, that we can work to do what is right for the American people in infrastructure, climate change, uh, protecting their health care. At the same time, we can do what we're instructed to do uh, by the Constitution and the roadmap given to us by the Mueller report. Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, a senior member of the House Judiciary Committee, a Democrat uh, representing uh, a district in Texas. Congresswoman, in terms of there's so much, there's so many different investigations going on. Bob Mueller has signaled that he wants to testify behind closed doors. Is there anything that you can do to pressure him to testify publicly? Well, one of the things that I think would make uh, Mr. Mueller more comfortable is we moved uh, quickly the resolution of investigation, uh, which would go to the Rules Committee and then ultimately to the floor of the House. And the um, floor of the House, people on the floor, of course, would take a vote that would instruct the Judiciary Committee to investigate. That gives uh, a further emphasis that this is the uh, word of the House of Representatives. The House has spoken. Uh, the majority has spoken uh, in order to uh, provide this information to the American people. I think secondarily, I have great respect for uh, Director Mueller. Uh, I have um, uh, been on the Judiciary Committee long enough to have seen him before our committee as the FBI director. He is a former Marine. He is a straight arrow. And I understand uh, his uh, desire to be consistent with his beliefs. But he wrote 
uh, a two-volume report. Uh, one in particular gave a list, a litany of nine items that he thought might um, equal to obstruction of justice. And he ultimately said that the Congress should take this issue up. It's his responsibility as an American, I believe, to publicly say to the American people what he knows. And it's our responsibility to query him on the facts and to allow him to present the facts. I would say nothing more, nothing less. If there are matters that are classified, certainly I know the chairman of the committee and the lawyers that are working on the committee have always attempted and worked in a collegiate and cordial manner, and they would work with Director Mueller to ensure that no classified matters uh, were presented publicly. We can work a compromise uh, on this uh, testimony of Director Mueller, but it's important for the American people to hear him. Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, I want to switch gears now and talk about U.S.-China trade policy. Your district, representing much of central Houston, uh, really impacted by the U.S.-China trade talks. Uh, How do you think the president has been negotiating with the Chinese, and what are you hearing from your constituents about the business and economic impacts? Well, clearly this is uh, hurting not only the 18th Congressional District in Houston, Texas, Uh, but it is also hurting across the nation, which certainly impacts us uh, as uh, farmers are being hurt. Certainly um, produce, um, uh, meats, uh, and other produce are certainly part of the whole Texas landscape. And frankly, you cannot negotiate if you have no policy, if you have no distinct trade policy. Uh, I'm certainly uh, not supportive of China's tactics in trade. I'm not supportive of their hacking the stealing of uh, intellectual property, um, their um, uh, large imbalance uh, in trade in many instances, but the um, throw-it-against-the-wall approach that this administration has utilized is not effective. And we can see that um, two powers, we being the largest um, economic entity in the world, uh, China approaching or, or, or is the second, um, it is certainly going to be a one-upsmanship. You never win trade deals per se with one-upsmanship. What we should have done is approach this with the best um, list of requirements that we could, uh, negotiate as we had been doing, and then ultimately go to the WTO. Uh, which we have been successful over the last couple of years. Uh, President Obama had a lot of success in the WTO, the World Trade Organization. Uh, Exploding, explosive, throwing against the wall, non-existent policies does not help my congressional district, nor does it help the nation. Ford has just laid off 7,000 persons, 7,000. They represent that they were just white-collar, but they're human beings with families. They even laid off people who were just a few months away from retirement. That's pretty cruel. And the only thing I can say is that um, this whole cycle of trade uh, and this whole disruption in the economy, companies are either taking advantage of it or they say that they need to do it. This is not the way to negotiate effective, long-lasting trade policies. Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, she is a senior member of the House Judiciary Committee, a Democratic Congress member representing uh, parts of central Houston. I always wish there was more time, Congresswoman, especially uh, with you. Uh, She's also incredibly active on the issue of immigration. We do not, unfortunately, have time to talk about that. Uh, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, uh, born and raised in Queens, New York. Uh, Her parents were both immigrants from Jamaica, and she went on 
to earn a BA in political science from Yale uh, and now represents central Houston. You got to give me some recommendations for some barbecue in Houston, by the way, Congresswoman. Oh, I would be there. absolutely des- delighted. And you've got to, I don't know, are you there or you have to come down? I want to come I'd down. I'd be willing to host you and I look forward to coming back on the show to talk about uh, immigration uh, issues. In fact, we're in judiciary as we speak dealing with three immigration bills. We'll be there till late into the evening, uh, marking up that legislation. Well, I appreciate the time, especially given the busy, busy schedule for you today. That's Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. And my special thanks as well to Doug Holtz-Eakin. What'd you think of that, Doug, of the Congresswoman? That was fantastic. Oh, Mike's off. What'd you think of that? Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Do you agree with her on trade? I think you know what you're doing, Kevin. Oh, no, really I'm on impressive. trade. Enough about me, about <laughs> trade and the congresswoman. I was seeing you shake your head in agreement on some of the, the comments that she made about trade. Uh, I, I am worried about how this ends, and um, I, I don't think it's a lack of a strategy. I just think it's the wrong strategy. All right, we're going to have to leave it there. Doug, come back. Former CBO director, president of the conservative think tank American Action Forum, and Adam Hodge, friend of the program, former DNC comms director. That's it for me. Kevin Cirilli. Check us out on the Sound On Extra podcast, which we will post later. Enjoy this beautiful day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bloomberg 99.1. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.